just gaining weight left and right. Dude, don't come to Miami, bro. You will gain weight out here, boy. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, that's what I've heard. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Miami. There's a lot of good restaurants there. What's the best restaurant in Miami? Honestly, man, it's a, last time I went, I had such a good time at Biblos. Uh, I always go to 27 for the vibe. Um, I love 1-800-LUCK, even though it's like completely different, but okay. I, uh, I gotta write down all these I, restaurants. I, I'll send you after this, I'll send you a long list of places to go. Apparently I know yeah. the food, food scene better than you. I don't know where you're yeah. getting fat. Way better. You've just been going to McDonald's. I've been going to, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> I don't have, uh, I love McDonald's, so I'm not going to hate on that. You're invited to a dinner party with Jeremy Ford. You're invited to a dinner party. Come on, come on. Yeah. Why are you still in LA? Um, it's, you know, 72 and sunny and it's February. Don't get me started, bro. I'm in Miami. You don't, you don't like LA? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Serves a purpose. What's, what's, what's better about Miami than LA? I'm born and raised, so careful what you say. Uh, what's better about Miami than LA? Uh, right now, you can, you can live life in a more normal way in Miami. Okay. You're saying like historically better or like, yeah, historically. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Miami is historically better than LA, but, um, but in terms of like uh, career opportunities, LA was a really good place for me for a bit. And LA's fine. You just need to know people in LA. That's the thing. Like whenever I went to LA and I didn't know anybody, I was like, Oh, this place sucks. This really sucks. And then the second I had like friends take me around, I was like, Oh no, there's a vibe here. You just need, yeah. it's not as like user friendly. Like LA is like an Android, you know what I mean? And like New York is where I'm from. That's Apple. It's like anybody could go to New York and have the time of their fucking life is so easy. Grid system. Everything's five minutes away. So I understand why people love it when they get there. It's just so easy. But LA, you really need a fixer. You need someone to take you around. Yeah, no, I, I think the thing with, I think New York, you live in the city and LA, you live in your home. And I think that's one of the big things. If you can't, you don't have the keys to people's homes. It's different. I would say that Miami is like the boost mobile free phone. Oh shit. Shots fired, bro. <laughs> you Shots know I mean? fired, dude. I'm it, sensing some jealousy right now. I'm sensing <laughs> some real jealousy. Okay. Cause you was setting up banquets outside of your restaurant to actually feed people. Cause Gavin Newsom got shit shut down. Well, I actually, I, I sold all my restaurants before the pandemic hit. So again, jokes on you. You were uh, in on it, bro. You were fucking in on it. Yeah, you sold I, all your restaurants and then start a podcast? No. So I saw, well, I mean, I did some TV between that. I have a podcast, I products. I have a bunch of stuff. It's not just, it's like you, you have more than one thing on it. It's like me saying like, wait, all you do is make jokes, but I guess yeah. that's all you do. That's all I do. Literally. <laughs> that's all I do. I might do it in different places, but yeah, that is what I do for a living. You described it perfectly, but now you're not in the restaurant business anymore. I got some delivery, delivery only concepts, but as a brick and mortar, no projects. Yeah. Just focusing more on like products and media and stuff. As you know, it's the equivalent of, I mean, it's a little bit different, but it's the equivalent of just doing all your jokes on stage in like a 20 person club, or are you going to do a Netflix special? Yes, yes, yes. Do the club way less stressful. <laughs> yeah. But you're doing the Netflix special and it seems to be going well. Yeah, no, it was great, but uh, it was hard work, man too hard. Really? Oh, you don't like God. it? 
was too hard. Nah, I didn't really like it, to be honest with you. The really? final product is a masterpiece, and I'm not saying that in like a brag-worthy way. I'm it, I'm literally saying in the most humble way, it's a masterpiece. Right. But uh, it, it was too it was too painful to do. It was too painful. In what way? Just so much time. We're talking about like 120 hours a week. You know, you don't see your girl. You don't see any of your friends. You don't see your family. Like it is just absolutely brutal. And we were doing that for like at least the last month. And then it was minimum 80, 90 hours a week for like two months before that. And just nonstop battles. And it's not even, to be honest, it's not even with Netflix. You know, they were actually really good. They just let us do whatever the fuck we want to do. It's just to make something that's that, you know, level, it takes a lot of fucking work. You know, it sounds like the restaurant business, honestly. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what I'll be honest with you. The closest people that I've ever met to comics are chefs. Mm hmm. Are you a chef or you're like a restaurant tour? I don't, I don't call myself a chef, but I, I developed the dishes at my restaurants and stuff. So people call me that, but I don't call myself that. Why don't you call yourself a chef? I think that that word's like a little bit tired, old school. It's like, it's one of those things where I, there's like a weird stigma, pretension kind of around it. I didn't go to school for it or anything. So I leave that, that respected, like respected title to my peers that, you know, have earned it. I came in, I did a bunch How of cool concepts. you need to go concept. to school to be a chef? Well, this is the thing. It's, it's a weird, there's a, it's polarizing in a certain way. Cause yeah, I came in, I did some concepts, blew up, got a bunch of attention around it, and I got known for doing breakfast for dinners, my first concept. So doing something pretty fucking simple yeah. that was the way I did it. And it was like the curation. And I always say that my passion lies in the context around food, as much as I love food is like one of my biggest passions, the context mm. around it, like what we're doing right now, the conversations, the Mm. You know, the glimpses into culture, like that's what interests me. And I think mm. that's what I do best. I tell the better story, mm. but you know, the classically trained chef that like that people talk about, like, that's not me. And they didn't like your success. They were upset. They're like, this guy's just serving scrambled eggs for dinner and he's getting all these write-ups. The fuck does he know about French cuisine and whatever Basically. else they talk about on great British bacon? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's yeah, you're always going to have that kind of pretentiousness because that's how those people protect their identity. And I get it. But like, at least in the comedy world, if anybody came up to me and they were like, no, I went to college to be a comic, I would laugh in their fucking face. We do not respect any sort of education in the comedy world. I think there's even a comedy college in Toronto called like Humber. And it's just ridiculous that you could like study stand up. Like there's one way to learn this shit and you just get in the ring and you fucking go for it. And that's what I thought being a chef was. I thought you just cook and you cook under famous people and you cook under successful people and they teach you some shit. And then eventually you're nice and you get even nicer. And maybe you have a gift of having like a really sensitive tongue or some shit that allows you to like taste flavors. The average person like me would never be able to taste and like put these combinations together. But the idea of like being respected just because you went to school, especially well, in like an art like that, I don't know, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I have the flavor combination part. That's something that I definitely have, but you know, like you mentioned, other than school, there's also the school of working under someone big and growing. It's something you kind of earn with time. Like no one can step into a kitchen and be a chef in layman's terms, but that's yeah. completely evolved. Right. So yeah, to your point, it's, it's also like part of this like imposter syndrome that I've always had in my mental yeah. health issues where like, I feel like I'm, I'm not worthy of the success. It, it goes deep into that more so than anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I feel like the mental health issues on the comedy world are very prominent too. There's a yeah, lot. Of that. It's almost become a trope in a way though. 
Yeah. In what way? Well, yeah, like everybody's just like, I'm a depressed comic and I was molested and I was beat up as a kid. And it's just like it almost became this like uh, you need to like wear that as a badge. Like that was your entryway into comedy. Like somebody like I had a really hard life and you should be a comedian because of it. And it's like, no, you just had a hard life, buddy. You were an unfunny person with a hard life. There's a lot of unfunny people with shitty lives. And sometimes that translates into, you know, having a sense of humor because you develop this defense mechanism to like handle this world that you're in. And it's really impressive to see people develop that. And then some people don't. And they think that they should have some sort of like um, comedy badge because of what they dealt with in their life. Like there's a lot of people who dealt with fucked up shit, right? Like it's really shitty in parts of the Middle East. And we're not seeing... A lot of George Carlin's come out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there is there is a recipe for success in comedy, if you will. And funny is part of it. It's just not it's not just having like a tragic upbringing. Yeah, you know no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's one of the things I a lot of my work is based around trying to fight the stigma surrounding mental health. And also that's a double edged sword because I also feel like so many people now use it as a marketing tool where it's like we're mm. trying to make it something more acceptable and it's acceptable and everyone now all of a sudden has mental health issues. And and I respect it in a way. It's, it's tricky, it's bro. It's tricky yeah, it's because tough. like you also got to look at mental health through culture. Like what, what is your background? You look like ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, I'm uh, I got French in me. My mom's half black. She's Caribbean and French. She's born in Paris. My dad's Tunisian. So I'm from North Africa. I'm family yeah. of Jews, Jews. Yeah, and born in LA. yeah, you're I yet, some shit. You're, you're yet, aren't you? No, no. People assume I am, but I'm Schultz. Not. Yeah, it's the opposite. German. Ah, uh, hey, there's there's German Jews, my friend. Yeah, a few of them left. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, there is actually speculation that the Schultz side of my family does come. Well, they do. They come from Prussia, but there was like a prominent Jewish family there. But this is like you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I think my family came to America in like the 1800s on the Schultz side. So there is speculation that Schultz could be Jewish, but I was like raised with no religion. My dad was raised Catholic. My mom was like Protestant and shit like that. But uh, why did we get into this? Oh, yeah, the mental health thing. Culturally, a difference. You know, it's like for me, I grew up where like mental health was a discussion. My parents openly talked about going to therapists, right? Like I saw therapists and shit like that. It was, it was, there was zero stigma. But I also grew up with friends who were like, you know, Irish Catholics who were like, you go see a therapist, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, figure it out, figure it out, you weirdo, you know? So yeah. when I see like my buddy, I, you know, I do a podcast with Charlemagne. I don't know if you know Charlemagne. Yeah. Charlemagne God, right? So he's, yeah. he's really done this major push for mental health within the black community. And, you know, from talking to him, he's basically educated me on the fact that like mental health was not spoken about in large swaths of the black community. So for him getting it recognized, right? You need this push. You need this extreme push to be like, Hey, it's okay to feel like you're a little bit mentally unhealthy today and you should get that checked out. So you almost like need that overcorrection. Right. But then you have certain people who see that and they're so used to the mental health discussion. So they're like, ah, oh, you're doing a little extra with this whole mental health thing. So different communities need different things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like you might be one depressed motherfucker, but that's because you're allowed to talk about mental health in your family. Well, are you or are you not? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, the thing yeah. is, I, you're Jewish. I, you guys are all the therapists. Well, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not religious. So I'm like a, I'm a Jew-ish, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm kind yes. of a, a pro-Jew, yes. yeah. but 
Yeah. I mean, my family has been open to talking about it for sure. Uh, I would say, especially my mother, I would say it's actually more recent than growing up. Like I didn't grow up going to therapy. I, I started therapy relatively recently. I started medication relatively recently. So oh, this what do is you something want? I, uh, Lexapro mainly. Oh, you're going for it, bro. Does that fuck your dick up at all? No, dude. At first, that's what they say at first. And like the first two months, it's mm-hmm. like that. It was like that. And then after that, it's just like, it's like, a, it's a dick empowering pill. Ooh, they may have switched my prescription without telling me, but Ooh, did it fuck your uh, dick up? No, nah, I've never, I've never used any, um, drugs for like mental health stuff. You know, for me, I've been pretty fortunate that like exercise has been pretty good for me. I kind of need to exercise in an extreme way. Like I need to like go to the point of, of exhaustion where like my brain shuts off, but if I can get there, I'm in pretty good. I'm in like a decent state, you know, I still get into my moods. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what I think is interesting about mental health is that people are so quick to talk about, oh shit, I have a sniffle. I'm going to take a thousand pills or I have the flu. It's like so Mm -hmm. open to talk about that, but mental health is not. It's weird. Yeah, I I think it's just weird. I think for like a lot of people, they just don't have real mental health issues in their family. So like it can manifest in whatever it is. And people are kind of like bored now and they're uh, you know, social media probably isn't the best thing for people's like day-to-day mental health, you know, but I've had like some serious mental health shit in my family. So maybe I'm not as uh, sensitive uh, as most when people are like, Oh, I'm feeling depressed today. Or I'm feeling sad today. I'm just like, all right, well, my brother thinks people talk to him when they don't. So that's, that's mental health. You know no, absolutely. I mean? well, that's that's abs- a real absolutely. issue with your brain, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Because it's a commercialized term, right? Like, oh, I'm feeling depressed. You're not depressed. You're sad. Or, But like, look, I'm not like the mental health place where I'm going to go correct people and tell them what they are. But right. I, I agree that the issue is like, I've had people tell me like, oh, anxiety is a made up thing or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, well, anxiety is good. Anxiety keeps people alive. In, in healthy doses to a certain yeah, extent. I mean, it can be too extreme, of Crip- course. Yeah. And it can be crippling, obviously, but like a lot of these things are built into our DNA. Like we've evolved this way to be anxious because being anxious makes you look over your shoulder. And sometimes over your shoulder is a guy about to beat the shit out of you. So it's good that you turn and look, you know what I mean? There's a lot of like anxious chicks that didn't get killed by serial killers because they were like, I don't trust this guy. I'm a little anxious around him. And there's a lot of chicks who had no anxiety at all who are like, yeah, you're a stranger. Come on in. Welcome to my house. So anxiety does keep you alive. You know, like when we're all in the fucking forest, we get anxious, don't we? You ever go hiking? You get a little anxious. You hear something yeah. rustling in the forest. It, get, it induces some anxiety. So this is natural. So that's the other thing that's a little bit weird where like you start going any form of anxiety means you have some sort of condition. That's where I think like mental health issues start to manifest themselves in people who don't actually have them. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. For me, it's more like I, you know, I was driving at a green light and I would go through like like crazy panic attacks that it would turn yellow and what I would do for turn yellow if I'd accelerate or stop. Like, it's like, it was every, it was crippling for every little thing. My, I don't think that's fucking necessary, but yeah, that's, at the same weird. Time, that's a lot, but same, same car metaphor. I'm the person who would look five cars ahead and not the one in front of me. So I probably have circumvented a few accidents too. So to your point, I think it's a healthy yeah. balance and medication is meant to balance. It. It's not meant to remove it. If I had no anxiety, at all, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be yeah. like that, like watching your Netflix special over and over again. You gotta, you gotta go out to nature, bro. You ever go out to nature? Yeah, I do occasionally. I like, you know what I like? I like fucking Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I yeah, like you need middle to nowhere. Yeah, you're not, you're not built for the city, bro. You're, you're not you're built a, for the city. You're not you? built for the city, bro. 
Yeah, I'm born and raised. I'm, I'm fucking. Shit, dude. Why, no, what no, makes you dude. think I'm not built? No, dude, you're not, not built for the city, bro. You're built for the forest, dude. You need shit a little slower. You need some homeward bound type shit, dude. You need Alaska. Like you need you just something out there. You need a river. You need you need to not see people all the time. You need to not see like you know what is it street lights. You need to not see all that. It's too much for you to think about. You just need to think <laughs> about shelter, water, food. Shelter, water, food. If that's what you got to think about, you're going to be so happy, dude. You got to go out to Wyoming. You got to go out to Idaho. You got to go out to one of those places. Get out of LA. It's too much for you to worry about. Is my restaurant doing okay? Is my delivery service this, that, the other? Just go. You need to go. You're not built for it. It's well, a build, a, bro. It's, I know, it's but that's what, I, that's what fuels me though, bro. It's like, and I love going, again, I think it's a balance though. Like I'm a city guy born and raised. Ah, bro. But, if you get anxious at a red light, you're not, well, not anymore. Guy. Well, I'm medicated now. Yeah, so now I don't medicated because you're not built for the city. You know what I'm saying? You go out to your element in the middle of the fucking forest where there's no street lights to give you anxiety. You're going to be fine. You just get a nice little fucking pitch a tent or build a log cabin. You're going to be so happy, dude. I promise. Wow. I really think people evolved to live in cities or not. I, I really think so. Yes. But I'm also the other side of me is like very much loves smart homes. And I, I actually like going out to restaurants every night. Like that's my thing. Like I, that's, I love doing that and living that life. So you're in LA, I, you can't go to restaurants. What are you talking about? Outdoor dining's open, my friend. Just now, right? Yeah, Wasn't well, it shut down for a while? Yeah. We're talking about right now though. So I'm just you. saying, what were you doing for the past few months? You could have been in on Idaho living your best life. Yeah, Who cares true. about the outdoor dining? That's for a guy like me, a city boy, a guy built for the city <laughs> with fucking gold plated AK 47s. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you're built for the city. I think you're built for Miami. It's completely Bro, different. Miami, New York, it's easy. I'm, I'm out here in a house on a canal with a pool. This is different for me, but it just so happens when you're built for the city, you're also built for a house. You're also built for the country. For sure. I'm more so highly evolved, bro. I'm more, I don't know what to tell you. I'm more, I'm a Swiss army knife out here. So, I'm a highly so, evolved individual. <laughs> you throw me out into the country. I'll figure it out. You throw me in the city. I'll figure it out. Okay. But, you're a specialized tool. You're a sniper. There's one thing you could do. Okay, it's be in the fucking forest. You find yourself a log cabin. You fish. You on a boat in a lake. The happiest guy in the world. No, the that's happiest the happiest guy in the world. I can't hike, bro. I can't. I don't like any of that shit. I like shit. I didn't say like hike. Voice, I like. I like Alexa. I like. I never like said hike. I okay. never we, said hike. Okay, you could still get Alexa. You could figure it out. You could get a generator or something like that. But honestly, I like no Alexa. You want to know what the temperature it is? You just go outside your tent. It's not that far. You I like racing cars. Walk outside the tent. Say again. I like racing cars. No, you don't. Yeah. I, oh, I race Porsches as a hobby. Really? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an interesting paradox. Like it's not, it's not that simple. Actually, man. I get the car racing thing. I understand why it works for you for the same reason being out in the country will work for you. <laughs> yeah. This, they're so related. They are singular focus. You don't okay. have time to be anxious because there's only one thing that is taking all of your cognitive ability in that moment. And that's why those motherfuckers in Alaska that like live off the land, you know, those homestead folks, I always watch those shows on Nat Geo and shit. That's yeah, why they're happy. Good. They don't have time to be depressed. We have time to be depressed. I'm depressed. I'm not going to do anything today. They don't got time to be depressed, right? They got to wake up, chop wood, or they freeze their ass off and fucking die, right? They got to plant yeah. some cucumbers or else they're going to starve to death. They got to move the cows from this pasture, to this pasture, or else they die, right? Every day is, or they die. Anxiety right. is their life. 
You would thrive in that environment. Dude, your anxiety would have you so prepared. Leave LA. LA, this is the problem with LA. Your anxiety is heightened to a point where there's not enough for you to do. So you got to find problems for your brain. You're like, well, what if this light doesn't turn yellow and this or that? It's too much. It's too easy. This LA life is too easy for you. Alexa, it's too easy. I go to a restaurant for dinner. It's too easy. You're anxious because you're living a life that's too easy. You're not built for this. You're Even built for a harder life. Challenge. You need a challenge. You need to race Porsches. It's not enough for you to just drive a car. You have to drive it super fast. It's not enough for you to just have one restaurant. You have to have three restaurants. It's not enough for 14, you to just have 14, one. 14 restaurants. 14, whatever. You see what I'm saying? It's too much, 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 much. You're trying that, to fill the void. Go I, to Alaska. Are you talking about capitalism? Go to Alaska. <laughs> Say again? Are you talking about capitalism? Is that what? I think, yeah. You're about? not built for capitalism, bro. Well, that's what, isn't capitalism wanting more and more and more, though? That's the thing, bro. You're not built for it because it's a never ending hole that you're trying to fill. You just got to go out there and survive, dog. Anchorage, Alaska, book the flight, take off the nail polish and go. They're not going <laughs> to appreciate that shit out there at all. All right. You don't like, you don't like my eggs? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Alaska, they're not ready for that shit just right now. Okay. You grow out the beard, get rid of the headphones. Okay. You put the old white Apple ones with the wire. They don't even do wireless yet up there. You do wired <laughs> headphones. Okay. Wired headphones and you go, you go there and go get your best pair of boots and go out to Alaska and live your best fucking life. And I'm going to give you a 14 karat gold AK 47 to protect yourself out there in those woods. Okay. So no jewelry, nothing. No, nah, no jewelry. What do you need jewelry for? It's too much. It's too much. Life is too easy for you, bro. It's too much. It's too it says much. the guy it says the guy with a gold AK-47 and a golden bullet. Yeah, this is not too easy for me. This is just the right. This is just the right level. But you're in a house with a little lake and shit. So you've got we're very it's similar. It's, not a lake. it's a canal. It's a canal. We're, we're similar. That's how I would live too. Maybe. But I again, I'm not tending to the house. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing for me to do. There's like neighbors there. There's a manatee every once in a while. I yeah. like to take a nice little swim in the pool, but it's very different to me. I'm used to this city. Yeah. See, so I, I like that. I would, I like that kind of, I like, you like knowing your neighbors. That's something I would, I would mill nowhere. I could see that for sure. No, you don't know your neighbors at all. It's just you. That's what it should be. Maybe you bring like your wife or some shit out there. Okay. Maybe you guys have some kids, but that is going to be the key. That is the key to your mental health problems. I promise you, this is what happened. All the rich kids that I went to school, I don't know if you're rich or not, but I assume you're doing pretty Definitely. well. But all the rich kids that I knew, the private school kids, whenever they would get into like drugs and shit like that because their dad would never pay attention to them, their parents would all send them to this fucking homeward bound thing where they just like walked around in the forest for like a week and they would come back. They're like, dude, I figured it out. This is for me. Finally, I was fishing. I was doing white water rafting. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And they're back in the city for two weeks. They start sniffing coke during lunch and shit and it's fucked up. But in that time, they really centered themselves. I found this beautiful experience and they calmed the fuck down. They had one focus, dude. I'm telling you, bro, do one month away. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, I agree with that one month. Then I would go crazy. I think it's a back and forth thing. You got to have the balance. Fine. I let you go back and forth, but what happened is you'll start going back and forth less. So you can go back and forth, but it's going to get a little less, little less, little less. And then what I would do if I was you is I would continue to do the podcast right? So you still have connectivity to your friends, to the people that you want to have conversations with, right? You're still connected to the culture. You can still affect the culture, but on your terms, 
It's not like when you're in L.A., you're so accessible. Every five minutes, someone texts you, hey, come to this party, come to this dinner. And if they don't invite you to the party, you're like, why am I not getting invited to the party? Why am I not getting invited to the dinner? If you're in Wyoming, I was invited. I was invited, though. Exactly. But if you didn't, you'd be upset. <laughs> not really. I actually fucking hate going to parties. Are you sure? Let's say you yeah, didn't get man. invited to the it party. You wouldn't be a little bit perturbed. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how that feels, dude. Wow. I always have been invited. Wow, bro. Wouldn't it be nice, huh? Wouldn't it be nice? I'm just saying, dude, you got to try out that Wyoming. Are you my are you my new life coach? Is that what you're trying to be? Yeah, I don't need to be. I'm not getting paid for it or anything like that. I'm just trying to help you out, bro. You know, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's I don't know if this was like the roasting hour or if this is a life coach hour. Sometimes it's both, bro. Depends how you plate the dish, if you will. Yeah, that's a great pun. That's a great no reservations. <laughs> Yo, is Anthony Bourdain a trash cook? I honestly never ate his food, so I have no idea. But I think people loved him for him, I think, more than him, his background as a chef. Exactly, dude. He just understood it, man. He got the cultural experience that food is. I appreciate that. I want to go back to a very similar note. So your brother thinks people are talking to him. Yeah, he's schizophrenic. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, schizophrenic since, since you were a kid? No, it usually sets on later. So like in the 20s, it'll set on and then uh, can get, you know, pretty bad and that kind of stuff. So it really sucks. But that is, you know, the uh, the other end of the mental health spectrum that a lot of people don't get to experience now that anxiety is a little bit more popular and depression is a little more popular. And these are things that we should all take seriously. A hundred percent. You'll start to see, you know, people with uh, actual you know, debilitating mental health issues that there really is nothing they can do about. Like there is some medication they can take and it's very hard for them to take it. You know, it's an absolutely horrifying experience when you know that someone is talking to you and you hear them talking to you and then everyone around you is saying that's not happening. It just destroys your self-esteem. It destroys your ability to connect with people and without connecting, you know, to people, you just fall deeper into these uh, auditory hallucinations. And it's... um. It's a very difficult way to live life, man. It's incredibly difficult. To me, that's, you know, that is uh, mental health stuff that I've, uh, I'm very sensitive to. Do you have guilt from it at all? No. Because you turned out obviously very successful and, and did, you know, pursued your passions. Is that, do you ever get guilt from that? No, not at all. So you're I not Jewish? <laughs> no, I mean, it's just not my fault. You know, it's my job to be a good brother. It's my job to, you know, take care of my family, obviously. But, uh, you know, those were the cars that, that he was dealt, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, it sucks, but I don't, I don't feel any guilt that I wasn't dealt them. No. He also dabbled in some drugs that probably kind of, uh, pushed him towards this a bit, which is unfortunate. That's why you got to be careful of that kind of stuff. Not, you know, yeah, not everybody could just do mushrooms willy nilly, if you will. Right. If you got underlying mental health issues, it could be a little tricky for you. Are you a drug guy? Not really. I like Adderall, to be honest with you. But uh, I haven't really done that. I only did that at Burning Man and doing the Netflix special. That's how hard it was to do the Netflix special. <laughs> I was fucking using Adderall. Uh, but uh, yeah, Adderall's cool. But no, I'll have a drink and shit like that. But nah, I, don't, I don't really need the drugs that much. My my drug is uh the people, man. Oh, wow. I like that. That was, I like that, that was deep. That was deep. I mean that for real, dude. The people are my drug, hundred percent. I get like, that. I can experience highs like entertaining. I can experience highs that are akin to the highs I've experienced through Molly. Like I, I've experienced that type of outer body 
sensation, you know, like feeling incredibly full emotionally and then having an overflow of positive emotion that you just want to give back to people. I've experienced that through Molly and I experienced that through comedy. So once you've had that experience, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I want to, I want to continue to do that in my life. That's really cool. Serotonin. Yeah. It's like um, a true overflow of serotonin. I don't know if people get to experience that a lot outside of drugs, but I've had it with drugs. And I remember doing Molly and going, oh shit, I've felt this before. A lot of people don't say that when they do Molly. A lot of people do Molly and they're like, oh my God, I've never felt this before. And I did Molly and I was like, oh, this is like killing on stage. You know what I mean? So when I say that people are my drug in that way, like, you know how like some people are like, yeah, I'll smoke weed and then I can just like freestyle or I'll smoke weed and then my dancing is better and all that kind of stuff. They like, for whatever reason, by doing that drug, it allows them to get out of their own way and they can, you know, do their art better. That's my reaction to the people, right? Like if they're feeding me, they're giving me that energy. All of a sudden my brain goes in all these different directions and I don't know, it's just easy, much easier for me to be clever, much easier for me to put together sentences and ideas and concepts and the world slows down and like in the weirdest ways, it's almost like uh, we're all like breathing together. I would love to test that if there was some way, but like sometimes I really feel like with a crowd, if we're really locked in, we're all breathing in the same way. You know, like when like chicks sync up on their period, that's how we are with like our breaths. I know it sounds crazy and I sound like a lunatic saying this right now, but I would really like to test and see. Because sometimes you can all be so congealed and like locked in and that's the best. Do you think our cycles are going to be synced after this convo? 100%, dude. I think they're already synced. 100%, dude. Fucking country mouse and city mouse. You're country mouse, dude. Fucking country mouse over here, man. I'm telling you, dude. You got to get that house out there. You and Kanye. Just get that house out there. Yeah, just Kanye and me. That's just, it, man. Enjoy the life. Just <laughs> you're a country fucking mouse, bro. You compare you're me a to country Kanye. mouse. That's what you are. CM. From now on, I'm only calling you CM. Country mouse. Or city mouse would be CM too. I'm city mouse. That's different. You don't call me CM. You call me by my full name, City Mouse. All right. <laughs> don't get it twisted, Country Mouse. Don't get it fucking twisted, bro. All right. <laughs> There's rules to this shit. There are rules to this shit. You already try to break the fucking rules. You need to send your ass out to the country and handle your business. Don't don't you have a lagoon in your house or like some shit? I have where a you canal. Stick, I have a, a canal. canal. A canal. That's more. I have a that's whole more canal. country. Than, that's more country than me. Yeah, it's possible, bro. I have a canal. I have fishing po- uh, roll. What do they call? What? I have fishing yeah. poles. <laughs> You're way more pole. country than me. What the fuck? I got fishing poles, bro. I got bobbers. You know what I mean? I got all different types of animals, bro. I got ducks. I got male ducks, whatever they're called. Roosters. Ducks. ducks. <laughs> all right. I'm not helping you, bro. The whole reason would, I'm sending you out to the fucking country is so you get your life together. Okay? I would, yeah, I I would, uh, city. I'm tired of it. It's done. It's too much success in the city. It's not working. We need to send you out somewhere different. Tunisia. You need to go to Tunisia. <laughs> That's dad's what from? it is. <laughs> Bring that nail polish to Tunisia. Let's see what they say. You, you, think, I'm, you think I'm too successful that I have to leave? You, you're too successful to be unhappy. There you go. Hey, I never said I was unhappy. You're on Lexapro, not because of how happy you are, bro. Well, well that, that's, that's a fair point. But I also think that it's, again, it's a balance. You can, find, 
you've learned that success does not equal happiness. That for sure. A hundred percent. A lot of people don't know that because a lot of people haven't experienced your level of success. I'm not familiar with your level of success, but I imagine that you're pretty successful from what you've told me right now so I, far in the podcast. I, know, I have not told you that, but I- You said 14 I, restaurants. You said 14 restaurants. That's, that's not my definition for you. That's not my definition. That's the thing. I need more. I need more. So well, I, from I, my eyes, I'm I not successful. I understand. Yeah. I understand. It's a bottomless pit. I understand. What I'm trying to tell you is the bottom of that pit is in Wyoming. And you're going to experience the happiness that you've always wanted if you go to Wyoming. I'm telling you, you think I'm bullshitting? You have the proof. The proof is right here. You had all the success in your field and you still want more. Where does that lie? It lies in the country, country mouse. Do you want more city mouse? Do you want more? No. What do you mean? Like in terms of like happiness? Like what do I want more? Greatness is my That's mine. Excellence is mine. So I guess greatness and excellence are the same, but. What do you want to be excellent at? Everything. I'm American. Well, what? What specifically? I mean, you know, I think I want to have, I want to be the leader and having food have a cultural impact beyond it just being a fuel thing. I think there's, there's been a cultural impact in music, fashion, and food is just as big as all these other cultural components, but it hasn't had a level of innovation that the other ones had. It's all pretty much the same shit, same cooking shows, same food network, same shit. I want to break that ceiling and push it further. Like I like the idea of having a food podcast that has nothing to do with fucking food. Right, right. Okay, I hear you. So you want food to have a cultural impact and you feel like it doesn't have a cultural impact just yet. It, it does, but not, I think, to where it should be. I think that there's still a level of food as fuel. Like now it's become a form of entertainment enjoyment for sure, but it's mm-hmm. one of those still necessities and the people that are leading food are still, you know, and again, I'm not, they're necessary, but they're like, 10, 20, they're actually 15, 20 years older than me. It's the same shit you've been seeing on Food Network for, for decades. But what's, your, what's your metric of success for that? I think, honestly, I think it's uh, it's personal achievement more than anything. It's not money-based. I think it's being able to like redefine that standard and break Which those barriers. What? Just say it to me. Like, what There's, is the thing? Like, I want to be the best comedian ever so that I know what my metric for success is. What is yours? It's making food a component of culture that but it is that already, right? You go to a Mexican restaurant, you go to a Tunisian restaurant, you know, you go to a sushi restaurant. Yeah. But everything you're saying is defined by a certain hour of the day. It's lunch, it's dinner. I want to, I want to push food to be able to reimagine 24 hours of your day. And it's the context around food that I think is missing more than food itself. People look at food as just food and eating what is there's so much context around there's so much conversation it's people who are racist against mexicans will still eat mexican food there's so much conversation to be had yeah well that's that's what i'm saying but they're not going to necessarily see a mexican movie right so obviously there's a way to open those barriers but it's still super hyper focused by time like i can watch your comedy special or consume comedy at all hours of the day. I can only eat at certain times of the day, sure, but there are so many things around that that can inspire yeah. and that can push for the conversation. And I want to help define that. So you want people, you want Americans to eat more, is what you're trying to tell me right now. You want <laughs> the most obese people on the planet to consume more food. Is that that's what you at all? Want that's not at all what I said. That's is not that what I said. you want, Mouse. Country Mouse. Let me that's tell you something. You get, out, you get out of LA for at least a day or two, you will 
rethink that entire formula that you just spit at me right now. You'd be like, okay, the people are eating too much. It's too much food. There's too much of a cultural experience. We need to lighten the load a little bit. Okay. We need to spread quinoa and we need to spread kale and we need to spread all these other delicious, well, pseudo delicious things that LA has made popular. I think that's not, that's I need, not at all what I said. That's not at all. I, I, I said. Honestly, I don't know what you said besides you want people to eat 24 hours a day. I still think <laughs> that you're sharpening out what, what this point is. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. You want to like break the culture of food? Not break it. I want to push it forward. I think right now food is pigeonholed. Give me an ideal. Give me ideal world. Give me ideal world. I'm having trouble digesting this. Hey, think think about this way. (laughs) What what was the what was the most innovative thing you've seen in food in the last five to ten years, bro? Um, so what Japanese people will do is they'll like roll the sushi up in the rice into these like little cylinders, and then they'll cut them. Sushi. Or, oh, yeah, sushi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Wait, yeah. what what else? What else? <laughs> nah, nah. Um, so now we're talking about like changes within food. Yeah, the whole everything, all right. Like the whole concept of food. What is the most innovative thing you've seen? So I think and and again, I'm no fucking chef or expert or whatever, but like oftentimes I see food as a reflection of culture. Right. So when I look at like when I have like Japanese cuisine, right, I was having uh, this uh, omakase at this restaurant in New York and it was it was truly fascinating. They did this like uh, wine pairing and or sake pairing, whatever. And I felt like I was walking through a museum like they were giving breaking down every bit of this meal and why this pairs with this perfectly. And like, what's the history of this sake? And like there's this level of like perfectionism with the Japanese culture. Right. I was like, why? Like I was asking him, we, you know, I went to Japan with my fiance and, and we were like, we just noticed this with everything. I had the best pizza I ever had in my life in Japan. I'm from New York. Doesn't make any sense. I had the best steak I ever had in my life in Japan, right? I'm like, well, I'm from America. We should have the best steak or at least Argentina. I should have had the best steak, but not what, with Japan. The fuck do they know about steak? So I asked this guy and he said this, he's like, the reason why I had to have this, like this need for perfection is religious. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, they don't have a a monotheistic religion out there. It's polytheistic, right? There are many gods, thousands of gods. And when you see God in each thing, that's the standard that you hold it to. So when you see God in the rice, you want to perfect the rice. When you see God in the sake, you want to perfect the sake. When you see God in the fish, you want to perfect the fish, right? We don't do that here in America. And because of that, there's a reflection of that in our food right? We see abundance as God in America. And if you look at our plates, they're fucking ram packed. The fries are falling off the side. The salad is falling off over here. There's not even enough room for anything, right? There's a buffet. Buffet doesn't exist anywhere besides here. Keep eating, keep eating. If you want to keep eating, keep eating, right? So I see food as this reflection of culture. And I think that's why you're not going to see the levels of like innovation because people still want to express their culture through the food. So as that culture changes, you'll see the reflections in the food. But if food is culture and you want to innovate it, you have to wait for those innovations in culture in order for it to be reflected in the food. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So it's the context around food. Like I look at food, again, as not just food itself. I look at it as like cookware, 
like why, like I haven't seen any innovation in cookware. I haven't seen anything remotely cool or interesting. Like I want to redefine the kitchen towel, the ice cube tray, the pan, the pot, utensils, the plate where like everything around it, the conversation surrounding it, like for years before Netflix, only food shows we had were like all the food network shit. And then someone did chef's table. Okay, cool. That has its position that has its world, but there's a whole other world. Okay. We had street food. There's so many different things where there's, I think, still a lack of education and knowledge in the so food let's space. Start with like, one thing. How are you going to okay. make the plate better? It's design. So what would you do? Let's design it. Do you want me to just sketch it for you? I mean, just tell me your idea. Let's improve the plate. I think, I, so I think, first of all, a plate doesn't have to be a plate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 This should be working in LA boy. You walk into into one of these meetings. You're like, yo, a plate doesn't have to be a plate. And these guys are like, what? You're so right about that. I I knew. So let so let me tell you this. I bet you that I, the way you're holding the gold gun, I bet you that I could make you obsessed with your oven mitts. I designed these oven mitts that fucking change color in the heat. When you grab the shit out of the oven, that's just a great idea. Yeah, I mean, now you know how hot the thing is. Yes. And also it looks cool. Also, another thing, cookware, (laughs) a a part of it is a lot of it is aesthetic. It's it's aesthetic. People enjoy aesthetics. Yes. I designed a dope ass kitchen towel, right? Okay. What does it do? It's aesthetically pleasing. What's the, why did you buy that t-shirt? My girl bought it for me. Okay. Well, that's because you're horrible at picking clothes, but normal, normal adults buy their own clothes. And uh, when you do, you pick it a lot of it aesthetically. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change the play in the sense I'm going to put like a sweatshirt that has four sleeves. I'm saying I'm going to, I'm going to design my version of it and make it aesthetically pleasing and make it where I wanted the things that people previously didn't think they cared about. I want to make them care about like, Reimagine that, like the fucking kitchen towel or the oven mitts or the ice cube tray or a food. Okay. Podcast. Let's fix the ice cube tray. Let's go. What do you got for me? I actually, I designed one where it's actually like palm tree ice cubes, pretty dope. Um, okay. So it's it, the shape it, of the ice cubes. You're going to change shape the shape of the ice cube. Yeah. And yeah. also like it has a lid on it. It looks pretty dope. Like it's good for a cocktail party. Yeah. I'm going to send you my, I'm going to send you my skews. Until um, that palm tree melts and I fucking choke to death on the stem. It's impossible. That could it's be a hazard, bro. No, no, that it could can't. be a hazard. No, it can't because if it's yeah, melting, it's like there's a no stem. Ice, baby carrot. You're contradicting yourself. If there's, it's melting, there's no stem, Andrew. Ah, leaves <laughs> always melt first, bro. You know, you don't know anything about fucking palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. I look. I like the idea of innovation and like changing thing, but now you're not changing food. You're changing the things around food. Well, that's what I said. The context around food, not yeah, food I itself. Like that. And, and I that's, what I, that's what I said in the beginning. I just, it just that's what I've been saying. I didn't understand context of food because context can be so many different things. Context can be culture. Context can be time. Context can be anything. But I like that. Like we've had the same plate for a while. Let's switch it up with the plates. You know? Yeah, and it's like that. Like this. This is a food podcast. There's yeah. the conversations we're having right now. I bet yeah. you are not on any other fucking food podcast. Dude, because you know what? You're right. But think of it this way, right? I was having conversations about designing a shoe with a big, huge like shoe company yeah. or cr- crossing over, right? There, there should be a collaboration between food and comedy that hasn't been done. There's been mm. all sorts of collaboration, but food never crosses over outside the food because food there hasn't been the never context. Be in comedy, ever. Why not? Why not? It fucks it up. You can't laugh when you're eating. I really mean this. If it was you're up thinking, to me, they would never serve food at a comedy show. You're ever. thinking about you're thinking about food itself. Think about the context around it. I don't get it. 
I bet you that we could come up with a collaboration that isn't disgusting. You could eat after the show. Sure. That's, but that's a one dimensional way of thinking, right? We could do, I bet you we could create an experience. Think about it this way. Dining mm-hmm. and comedy are experiences, right? Mm-hmm. They're experiences. Yeah. So I bet you that we could create an experience that integrates both. I can't both. take you seriously when you talk to me moving your fingers and there are fried eggs on them. I'll have my hands behind my back when I tell you okay, this. Thank you very much. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. I, I think that there's a way to create an experience mm-hmm. that integrates both the roots of comedy and the roots of food. Mm-hmm. Without it being the obvious thing that you're saying, see the first, you you just you're thinking too you're thinking city mouse you're thinking you're too surface level you're like I gotta food, be more country you, you, you gotta be more country mouse you're like you're like wait I'm gonna be making jokes you see me cooking food doesn't make sense you gotta you gotta think more deep and make it mix in man you can't okay. you're thinking all right go dimensions. do it give me two dimensions I gave you this, one dimension this is a distraction for the comedy show when people are eating chicken tenders right and they can't laugh when they're chewing now you give me two dimensions show me how they can laugh well I think we got to do it from the creative process what if you did uh, what if uh, you did an experience that you know how people pair food and wine fucking pr- yeah. pair food and comedy because the thing of this way food comfort food triggers emotions as does comedy yeah, that's what true. If you fuck, what if you found a way to fucking do those together? This now, is a what, collaboration, by the way. This isn't supposed to be a one genius what, thing. What else, genius. what else? Now, what else does comfort food make you do? Like after you have some good old comfort food, what, what happens? What do you want to do? I mean, it usually heightens your emotion, makes you happy. I mean, you, are you saying you want to take a shit? long that, nap, bro. You want to take a long nap, don't you? You. It depends on what you're, I don't know what you're eating. Most, most people want to take a little nap, bro. They want to take a little okay. nap. Okay. So food, comedy, no bueno. I, well, they probably want to take a nap. <laughs> Let me go further. Let me go further. I'm like, I'm, I'm a little wild when it comes to this shit. Food, comedy, no bueno. Comedy, comfortable chairs, no bueno. Comedy, comfortable heat within the venue, no bueno. You should be cold, uncomfortable, smushed together, and starving. That's how you have a great comedy show. I want you starving, uncomfortable, cold. And what was the other one? Smushed together. That is the recipe for the perfect comedy show. You're out here serving fish tacos, trying to ruin everything. I'm not serving fish tacos. I don't know who the fuck you hired, but. All right. Sorry. So let me, let me just find another fish lasagna or something innovative. Think, think about it this way. You know how you say comfort food. People want to take a nap after, right? Mm -hmm. People. I feel like when they listen to your comedy, they want to take a nap during your jokes. Right. Exactly. So there's a pair. So then we give them the comfort food to help them do that. Yeah. Because they're like, these jokes are, these jokes are terrible. I got to eat. So I got it. I got it the first time. I got, I got your joke the first time. No, no. You want me to tell you again? You don't got to repeat the joke. I got you. We got it, buddy. We got it. It's okay. I'll tell you again. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. You got a good one. Yeah, no, I hear what you're trying to say. I'm just trying to tell you the experience that is going to be most beneficial for the consumer, right? Is if they go and they concentrate and they laugh. Like I don't let people pay checks during my shows either. That's something that I just That's do not hard. allow. So That's good. Because why would you want to pay check at the end of the show when you're having the most fun? You can't do it. You can't possibly pay attention and divide a check six ways or whatever the fuck people do when they go out. So these are things that obviously you want to change within the comedy world, but not everything has to blend. You know what I mean? It's like watching Shamu and eating doesn't have to happen together. You can have eating be its own thing. 
right? I agree. I agree. But I think there's a way to, there's like a way the, to cross over. I like the idea of like changing the things around food. I think there's something interesting in that. And I do like that, like chef's table show where like you have people like really trying to like innovate within food. I think it's fun. It's, sometimes it gets a little kitschy, but like I appreciate much, what yeah. going for. Like there's that, that restaurant in, uh, in uh, Chicago with the guy. Alenia. Alenia. Yeah, Alenia. yeah. And it was like, well, this was like, he's what I appreciated about it is like him going for it. It's like, how can I do something different? How can I like, at least when I'm thinking about a joke and I'm thinking about like the worst topic that you should never joke about. I'm like, how can I make this funny? Right. And I, and I see him like as a chef going, how can we do this? How can we get away with this? You know, um, I appreciate the attempt. It, it reminds me of comedy. I, I remember I was at Blue Hill and I got to talk to Dan Barber, I think his name is. Right. And uh, he was making like a parsnip steak, you know. And I was like, first of all, like, just give me the fucking steak steak. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't come here to eat fucking parsnips, but I appreciate what you did trying to make a parsnip so delicious. Right. And I feel like as a joke, that's the way we look at jokes a lot of times too. Like here's something you should never even touch. I'm going to make it so delicious that you want to consume it. So I, I like that angle with food. And I think that you can do that with plates or forks or utensils. Like if you have a different set of utensils, that's a good reason for people to go check out a restaurant. Like, how do you eat pasta more efficiently? How do you eat fish better? You know? Yeah, that could be kind of funky. I think there's a big lane for that. Yeah, I, I think some things don't need to be redefined, but I think some of the simple things haven't had any form of innovation. Again, I go back to like the kitchen tower. For the centuries. Oven, just, but for centuries. Centuries, centuries, no innovation. And some of the, I think like, I don't think you need to change the shape of a fork and teach people how to eat differently because it's not necessary, but there's a way to design differently where you get, you have a sense of emotion when you use it. Like people get excited about their new fucking pillow, their new couch, the new, it's the same thing. You can redefine that aspect too. I would want to create a new utensil, bro. A new I, utensil I, would be fire. What, how do you see that in like, cause you say you want to be the biggest comedian in the world. Does that mean you're just funny? Not biggest. Than not biggest. Not biggest. Best. best. What defines the best? Is it the funniest or is it, yeah. The story you tell around. It's, so it's the story you tell. No, it's the funniest, but it's also, but there is also a size component. Like the funniest comic, you might not even know who they are. So you have to be at least in the conversation, you know, but often the biggest comedian in the world isn't necessarily the best. There are times where they are like when Eddie Murphy was the biggest comedian in the world, he was also the best. Right. And uh, Chappelle, biggest comedian in the world and the best. But there are also times where maybe the most popular comic globally might not be the fun. I, th I think Jeff Dunham probably was one of the most popular comics globally. Globally, I don't think he was. The, he would even consider himself the best, you know, during that time. But yeah, that's it. It's just you know, I have a standard for what I think the best is, and then if I can get past that person who's the best, then that's where I would be. Wear the belt. That's really what I want to do is just wear the belt. After I wear the belt, we'll see what happens. Hang out who's in my wearing, canal. Who's wearing the belt right now? Is it Kevin Hart? Chappelle. Chappelle. Chappelle is wearing the belt. Chappelle no. over Hart? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm funnier than Kevin Hart. Kevin I, I mean, famous, but he's not one of the greats. Like, he's famous and he's brilliantly talented. But in terms of stand-up, uh, no, he's, not, he's not at that level. He's not. I also and he feel, would I admit that. Kev, I right. bet you Kev would admit that. I bet you Kev would sit there and be like, yo, Chris Rock is on a different level than me. And Dave Chappelle is on a different level than me. And Kev knows. And, yo, Kev is such like a a hard worker that if he wanted to dedicate all his time to stand up, he might be able to get there, but he is dividing up his time into a lot of different things. And you just can't be the greatest if you're going to do that.
So, I mean, that's, that's interesting. So I feel like most people would probably say Kevin Hart is their first reflex, right? I would have said, Chappelle. I, don't, I don't think so. You don't think so, but he, I mean, he, he's probably the, in, if you, if you calculate in terms of like modern day media and that kind of shit, he's probably the biggest, right. Of, of today, the practicing comedians, like of today, he is probably the most, what the most specials, correct me if I'm wrong. Like who, like, Chappelle or, or uh, Hart, Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart. No, I think most people would say Dave Chappelle. 100%. Okay. That's what, that's what I would say. But I, I, yeah. I think this new generation doesn't know Chappelle as much as they know Kevin Hart. You're right about movies. that though. The new generation doesn't know Chappelle in the way that we knew Chappelle. And he hasn't been putting out a lot of like comedy first content. So like the new generation is kind of looking at a lot of his kind of like long form stories and like speeches that are funny at times, but are more like thoughtful. And so they're just like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He was a comic. They didn't see Chappelle's show. They didn't see for what it's worth. You know, they didn't see these like iconic specials. So that is possibly younger generation is still kind of like finding out who their guy is, you know? But at least for me, that's like, that's the standard. I know what he can do and he, he's a bad motherfucker. And when he wants to throw down, he could throw down. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's the rules have changed, man. It's like now the, the most followed people and all that shit are, are kids that are like 16 years old. And yeah, but you got to adapt or die, man. It, it like, has to. Just, that's the game, bro. So if you want to survive, you got to adapt. And like anybody who complains about that really just doesn't want to put in the work. You know, like now is the time. Now is the no excuse time. Now you yeah, actually have a little of, 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 of the control in terms of what happens in your career. It's a function of how much work you put in, how much content you put out. I mean, that's what we did. We turned an Instagram show into a Netflix special within a matter of, uh, you know, three months or two months. I think it was two months. I don't know. But it was like, that is after I told everybody Netflix ain't shit and it's going out of business. So the point is, is if you create it, they will come. And if you create, they'll do it. So I don't really got much tolerance for people who complain about like TikTok stars and shit like that. Oh, I agree. I completely agree with that. I, you have to adapt. I always say that I was always, I was always like the young dude that people looked up to, to be like, what, what's cool? What's this? And like older people look up to it. Now I'm like the guy who's looking like, Hey, like, what are the platforms? What should I be doing? I completely agree with you. And the people that don't it will definitely die. Do you get any sort of high from doing your comedy digitally when you don't have a, an audience to react back to it because that's where not your high much. comes from well not the people because the people are your drug yeah it's not as much i mean it's like um you ever watch those vampire movies blade with wesley snipes yes so like blade has to have this serum so that he could not suck people's blood so it's almost like fake blood and it works it gets him through the day but it's not like real blood and I think that's what the digital content we create does. It's like, it's nice. It's nice to see the reactions and you're looking at people sharing it and commenting on it. And that's fucking dope. But it's not the same as that in-person laugh. But the reality is that in-person laugh is an incredible, ineff incredibly inefficient way of building a career, you know, because you're making 100 people laugh a night instead of making 1 million people laugh a night. And that's what we can do digitally. So I got to balance both of those. My ego wants to be stroked by going out to the club and making 100 people laugh, right? But I also want my kids to go to college. So I got to balance those two things. And uh, finding that balance is dope. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing. All, I think every creative just wants to be able to create anything they want and make a shitload of money. But ultimately, you have to have structure at any given point. It's the same thing as the t-shirt. You can't have a t-shirt with six arms. You got to somewhat find innovation. You got to think outside the box within a box. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, that's really what gave me my career is trying to find 
the the white space in the market because nobody wanted to put me on TV for stand up, so I had to find another way to get to the people, and that's when um, that's what I did. So right, we're very similar, man, in a lot of ways. As much as you think we're different, we're pretty fucking similar. We're both mice, bro. At the end of the day, uh, we're both mice. I really appreciate you coming on, seriously. As of much course, as man. I love getting my balls busted by people who are smart ball busters, so I do appreciate that. Anytime, bro. And I'm looking forward to see your innovations to food. And uh, when you're in Miami, man, let me know. We'll go out and grab something. No, seriously, I'll be. I'm actually going to be in Miami pretty soon, so I'll hit you up. I'll sure. me. Yeah, let's go get some food. If you're ever in LA, do the same. I know it's probably not going to be never, but whenever you're in LA, yeah. let's do it. When you guys open up, we'll come back out there. All right, my brother. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care, dude. Bye. Peace.